Hello everyone, it is me again. It's the Delivery Manager Daily and I still don't know what episode this is but thanks for listening and I know a lot of you do and I know some of you well and personally so thank you. Um, What day is it today? It is sunny. It's Wednesday the 12th of April and as always I want to uh, do a podcast about something that I'm either going through an experience, something that I've learnt, a problem that I've observed or something where I can feel I can talk about. And I do this, and I do this podcast in part because it's cathartic, and if people can learn stuff off the back of it, fantastic. So thanks for listening, and what are we going to talk about today? Well, it is the complex, complex up and downstream dependency mapping on a Agile project. Um, and wow, is that way more difficult than you think it would be. Um, so I want to talk about this today on the podcast, so uh, let's jump straight in. Hi and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast where I, your host Mario De Cristofano, will talk to you about life as a delivery manager. We'll talk about strategy, tactics, things to do, not to do and wrap that up in a way which makes sense. This is a daily series of podcasts which are released across all your favourite podcast software and there's a video version on YouTube with additional content if you wish. If you want to get in touch, get involved with the podcast or even be a sponsor, get in touch via Twitter, DM underscore daily and don't forget to check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube the Delivery Manager Daily. But before all of that, how are you? How's it going? I've had an absolute crazy three and a half, four weeks um, on a really big, large project with many, many people. And it's not been the best of times, uh, I have to say. It's also not been my uh, finest moment. Um, Very, very complex when you're working with dozens and dozens of people all trying to do the same thing. Um... And I'm I'm just not not really very good at that. Uh, I usually like to have a little bit more control. But one of the things in that particular uh, project was this complex notion of how do you start to even think about mapping huge amounts of interconnected dependencies and then work in an agile way to deliver a thing. Um, so so I want to talk about that. And then the other thing I've been working on, which is probably for another episode, is sustainability. So I've recently come off the back of a project that's gone really well. And we've done something not only uh, awesome, or the team have done something awesome, but we've done it in a sustainable way. And we talk about compute costs and running them at optimised times to help save carbon footprint. But that off the back of that, I wanted to think about, well, how much carbon does it cost to run an agile project from a human being perspective? So what's the carbon cost of a scrum uh, event, for example? So I'm currently deep in some math modelling and looking at what data sources are available. So if you're into sustainability or you want to know more about that, uh, that's for an episode to come. But getting back onto the subject of up and downstream dependency mapping, let's have a think about just initially the main purpose of having a well-formed and self-organized scrum team is that they are atomic, independent, and are able to end-to-end do the thing. They're not reliant on anyone or anything else and that's the 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 aim of you know spinning up a a, or one of the aims of spinning up a scrum team and it's one of the 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 kind of uh sort of tenets of of how an agile team should work and behave the problem is though how many projects do you work on with scrum teams where there are no dependencies it just immediately uh breaks the whole notion because every project's got dependencies whether they're upstream, downstream, third party. And 
often you just deal with these as you go. Sometimes you get hit with a project that's so big, these dependencies actually stop and halt progress. And that's the uh, the situation that I found myself in. So I thought, well, how how do you tackle this? It's something that maybe I do and don't think about, but at this scale, you know, can I do it? And what techniques and tools am I using to do it? And then also um, the tools and the and the methods. And I reflected back over my career over the last, I don't know, 10, 10 years or so and picked out the times when dependency mapping was a real problem. And then I've looked and reflected on how I do it. And this podcast today is just kind of broaching the subject of how I go about it. And also, I've had a couple of scenarios recently, conversations, um, and people have asked, how do you solve siloed working teams? And how do you bring people together over common goals? And how do you cope with prioritisation of demand when everyone's got these mixed priorities and dependencies? So I want to wrap it all up in a podcast uh, and tell you what I do. So if we, uh, you know, we think about that Agile team then, right? And we've talked about it needs to be like somewhat cross-functional, needs to be atomic and capable of delivering something entirely independently. And we know that never happens. And, and, and that's what I've observed. And it just made me think, well, yeah, every project's just set up to, to fail from the start, right? Because you just don't uh, adhere to that notion. Um, Agile is meant to work where scrum teams have everything they need to work independently. And because most projects don't have that capability within them, um, it's a common problem and when I've witnessed it at scale it was a bit of a light bulb moment. Um, so what are dependencies? What do we mean when we talk about dependencies? Well uh, you use the backlog right that's the main planning component and tool used to inform uh, the direction of the scrum team, its progress, the work that it does, the work that it pulls in into each sprint and in an ideal world you know each ticket within the backlog, each product backlog item, each PBI it would have perfectly worded and written acceptance criteria. The user stories would be beautiful following the invest principle. Uh, you can go on mariosblog.co.uk and read this podcast with all the notes and the links and things. If you don't know what the invest principle is, you can check that out online. Uh, and in an ideal world, you've got all these beautiful PBIs that are all set and ready for the team to work on. But again, it's never like that. And in this moment of scale that I observed with this completely unstructured backlog that was just all over the place uh, one of the things that really weren't being looked at or no one was able to um, pull out from was clear dependencies and that was a real problem um, and I guess the example would be you know if you want to make some toast uh, you might need to go to the shop and you might need to understand the shop opening times you might need to buy bread, a toaster. You might need somewhere to plug the toaster in. You know, they're examples of very clear dependencies, but the problem is often um, the dependencies are hidden and you need to extract them through understanding. And it's a really sort of difficult thing. And the more complex projects I've worked on, I've realised that actually a lot of the failure in those projects has been an inability to spot up front these dependencies because they're not known. Um, and then there's this, well, surely then, what you say, Mario, is dependencies break agile. And if you look at Scrum, it does state that, you know, each team has sufficient and everything needed to deliver the thing, as we talked about earlier. But the problem is, one, even one dependency ruins that notion. Uh, dependencies are unavoidable. And I was reading a really, um, and I'm going to parrot this, but and it, I've also included it as an excerpt on the blog post, but I was reading The Law of Constraints, 
and Brooks Law. And this was written on uh, a leadingagile.com website. Really good website. It's one that I often go to, leadingagile.com. Uh, so go and check that out because it's brilliant. Uh, and there's this beautiful paragraph that I've stolen. Well, not stolen because I'm giving them credit, but I wanted to read it to you. The solution lies in the application of Kanban to model the flow of value across teams to make smaller investment decisions at the portfolio level, to limit the amount of work in progress and to redeploy people and teams in ways where everyone all the time is focusing on the highest value initiatives within the organisation. We use Agile at the team level to inspect and adapt and to make sure we're always focusing on delivering the most value possible in any given sprint. Using Lean and Kanban, um, it gives us the same ability when we're dealing with dependencies at any level of the organisation. Um, and that was taken as an excerpt from the notion of actually looking at dependencies as constraints rather than dependencies in their own right. And the reason that I find that particular paragraph interesting is that it uses a very simple um, visualisation technique, in this case Kanban, to be able to just lift from the complexity of a backlog with unknown things and simplify. Um, it's a real basic technique, right? And I've talked before on other episodes of the podcast about some of the simple things that work well. And this leads me on to another complex project where we implement a Kanban. I like this paragraph because it it proves something that I talked about many episodes ago and something that I did years ago was the right thing to do in particular. Um, we had this huge complex project, mission critical, impact to human life if you got it wrong. And one of the problems within the teams was this lack of understanding of what each team was doing and a lack of understanding of up and downstream dependency mapping and the physical placement of large Kanban boards, whiteboards on wheels visually in the office and getting each team to start with stand-ups and the whole kind of um, visual theatre of watching each team go through this process created uh, a case for change and each team slowly understood the value of just a real simple visualisation technique um, to be able to start to understand at a high level across each team where some of the up and downstream dependencies were and then they were able to proactively start to resolve those. So on the podcast, it's nothing magic. I'm not dropping any kind of um, real kind of sit down, blow, blow your mind away kind of things. It was basically using Kanban and doing Kanban well. What I've observed and in the most recent project that I'm talking about is there is a lot of desire in a lot of people to, for whatever reason, make things super complex. Real, 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 real difficult kind of ways of working for the almost no reason that I can fathom. And as I step back and thought if I had a little bit more control here. What I would do is simplify the work using Kanban to be able to visually map out those dependencies before they were then synthesized into a backlog and you ended up using practical tools like uh, Jira's planner and dependency map uh, feature which we'll talk about some of the practical stuff in a bit but in short it was using Kanban and actually if I reflect I would do that again and actually it's a key thing that I would do in terms of that keeping it simple approach um so I just thought that was quite a useful paragraph to kind of justify a decision that I made in one particular project uh, a few years ago 
And it seems really simple, but it was really effective. And I thoroughly encourage that if you've got a complex project and you just can't get your head around it and you're looking at endless and endless backlog tickets, just step away a minute, look at the path of what you're trying to achieve and use Kanban just to visually map it out. And that'll get you a real good inroad into starting to understand dependencies. The other thing is worth uh, talking about, I guess, then, is is the quality of the tickets, right? So part of that grooming and creation process, you should be building a dependency map as you go. So in a refinement session within an Agile event, you run a refinement session with your team, maybe utilising three amigos to start kind of grooming them initially. This is where you should start planning and and understanding potential up and downstream dependencies. Um, One of the things that is missed in the structure of a sprint is enough time to learn within the sprint rather than overloading the sprint with some unvalidated assumptions which then just increases the mean likelihood of debt as you go along. But often project teams are at a pinch to deliver to a fixed time even if we're you know saying words like agile and we work agile so sprints are often overloaded and actually there needs to be a certain amount of time i i reckon about 20 percent if you can um to allow the team to breathe certainly in those initial foundational sprints maybe from sprint zero to four um to understand what's being built and to allow for the unknown um that ticket quality is hugely important and again one of the practical things that I recommend teams do and and I would try and make sure I would do in a team is when you're going through the process of the the three amigo session and you're doing that initial grooming and understanding of the thing is start to map out what isn't known and making sure that there is adequate enough time within the project timeline to allow for any research or development spikes to bring those unknowns into a little bit more clarity many times and what i've recently uh, observed is that there was no time to do that and it would just be a case of well, when something comes up we'll deal with it but the problem is that's bastardizing scrum and it's putting a huge amount of pressure on the scrum teams to deliver stuff that they don't know it causes so much cognitive chaos you get this impotence and teams don't move forward at all because the the notion of starting is almost a waste of time and it's just too big a thing you've got to carry on working and drilling down into simplicity um, even if it takes longer because it's it's better to have that core understanding up front and this recent project that I've observed um, there wasn't enough time to drill down into simplicity and therefore each team was starting with already a level of complexity you know within sprint zero and one and that just makes a really really janky project with a, a real likelihood of failure um i think the three amigos are key here in terms of understanding those initial um dependencies and it's really important that you know as i've said you work on simplicity no matter the thing the complexity of the thing the size of the thing or the cost of the thing you've got to keep it simple because we're simple human beings right and there's nothing worse than 50 people 50 smart people in a room but no one brave enough saying i don't understand and that's what i observed recently So we've talked about dependencies, the notion of them. We've talked about very loosely looking at them as constraints. We've talked about the notion of, you know, a scrum team should be being atomic and independent and be able to um, work 
independently to do the thing. We've talked about how that's not really the real world because you often have dependencies. We've talked about the notion of organising teams using uh, sort of grooming and refinement sessions and three amigos to understand as much as you can up front any unknowns and then factor that into your sprints and factor that into your project timeline. It's often just kind of missed. And we've talked about also uh, some sort of dependency mapping things that you can do such as using Kanban which is a nice visualization technique and also actually and I've talked about Nexus in other uh, episodes and Nexus has a really neat dependency map technique that's outside the scope of this podcast but you might want to go and check that out and read the blog post on mariasblog.co.uk just search Nexus in the search bar and I've done a screenshot or a grab of kind of the technique and it uses arrows it's almost an overlay on top of Kanban to just visualize up and downstream dependencies and I have also used that on a fairly large project and it's been particularly effective. But now I wanted to talk about some of the practical things that I reminded myself that I sometimes do organically and then reflected and thought, what can you do to kind of do this? And you may do some iterative of this and I'd be really interested to hear what you do. Um, But there's a few things that I think are worth talking through. So one's a dependency spider. So if you read the amazing Jimmy Jenkins ebook, Toolbox for the Agile Coach, he talks about the dependency spider. And I like this method. I like anything that's visual and it's a complexity leveler. Again, we're talking about keeping things really simple. So everyone gets this visual picture uh, and it shows visually with lines uh where dependencies are linked to one another and it means something you use diagramming software to do it i use a a, a online tool called coggle Coggle coggle.it that's pretty good it's like a mind map type tool but you can also use it to do very lightweight dependency maps and you can do it very quickly within an agile event and i think that's a really good starting point um then we talk about other software platforms that help map dependencies. We'll come on to Jira in a sec. Jira is its own thing. Um, and I always have a little bit of sick in my mouth when I talk about Jira. I'm joking and sorry, Atlassian. I actually find Jira pr- a pretty good tool. I know that's not the thing to say. Um, Monday.com, if you've not used it, is a really visual, lightweight tool, quite expensive, but it's really good. I remember rolling that out for a few clients uh, across. The, the, the workflow for everyone and it was a real good way for easy interdependent um, visualization of, of projects and it just worked really well and you can use tools like Miro but again really expensive I use Microsoft Whiteboard to physically draw these out um, so yeah Jira Jira has a roadmap uh, a planner view which basically creates a Gantt and I heard someone recently I think incorrectly say oh well you can you can see you can see dependencies using that kind of planner view and you can't really it just tries to emulate what you can do in Microsoft projects but what you can do is there's an early access feature called dependency view and that actually creates the spider in Jira and if you've not seen it again I've included a screenshot on the blog post so have a look at that and if you've got the cloud instance of Jira and you've got the right early access subscription and the right license you'd be able to uh, request that feature and switch it on and it does a good job of kind of taking up to a very high level your uh, dependency map and it creates this spider and I really would encourage teams to swarm around that kind of visual visual thing that visual asset rather than um rather than trying to do it in a Gantt format, which which to me just, it has no feeling and no no meaning. 
Um, but simply draw it out. Just draw it out. Forget the backlog. Forget the tickets. Just start drawing it out. It would be amazing to see more teams do this. And yet, for whatever reason, the more complex and serious the project, the more this basic stuff gets forgotten about. Uh, we talked about using Agile events too. And, and you know, um, Scrum of Scrums in particular is an Agile event. It's a pretty good event if you run run it properly. Uh, I like Agile in particular because of the inspect and adapt part. I think that's a really important element of, you know, there's an argument of Agile is a bit broken sort of these days, but I still think the inspect and adapt part and the ability to kind of have reflection and retrospective, and that's a genuine way of getting better as a human being. Um, and the reason that I I talk about this is, is because um, to get an understanding you need that understanding and you need a breadth of people with that core understanding rather than just two or three individuals. Um, what I observed in this big project is that there were a layer of like in quotes experts that knew all the things. Actually, a lot of that knowledge was unvalidated by the way. But one of the things that I've seen work well is if you can rotate experts into the Scrum team, and this is borrowing a little bit from the Nexus integration team notion if you run in Nexus, the idea is that you bring experts in and you rotate them through the teams across sprints as they occur. And the idea is that you start to get a balanced knowledge across many people that actually de-risks um, the unknowns that might come because you generally bring up the fundamental knowledge across the team rather than having those experts. And I think you bake that into every agile event this notion of swapping people in and out and maybe thinking about having an engineer from one team work in a, another team for a particular sprint etc etc and i like that it does require discipline but i think that notion of rotation really helps bring overall knowledge up rather than having those kind of bottlenecked smes um so then it comes to well communicating this back to the management team one of the things that i observed again was at the end of the week you do some kind of report to say how you're doing and uh, one of the challenges was well are we sprint ready are we ready to go and no one really knew and one of the problems was that we had no kind of validated data so the spider diagramming wasn't done the kanban wasn't done there was a lot of talk um but it undermined the end of week reports, which gave a lack of confidence and they weren't really baked in any kind of reality anyway. So maybe start thinking about, you know, as well as flow metrics and some kind of surface burn down and velocity, um, you can show the impact of dependencies in and out of teams. And I'd really, if you're a delivery manager, consider bringing um, dependency impact into your project reporting. Not really sure um, particularly if there's a best way of doing this but instead of just focusing on sprint uh burn down and performance and reds and greens on is it done yet is it done yet actually show the impact of dependencies and how that is slowing down progress and that's a really good way of focusing leadership teams as mine to say well we need to unblock that it changes the narrative rather than a team isn't performing or isn't working. Actually, what you're doing as a delivery manager is you're saying, hey, look, the impact of this dependency is having an impact on this particular sprint or et cetera, et cetera. So I just think when you craft those weekly reports, and I don't know how you do it, I follow GDS guidelines, actually, and I've basically just borrowed from the playbook. Um, 
and do these end of week kind of rag reports. Um, but I've now started to include in there the impact of dependencies and how that impacts the pace of the project. And that's a really good way of kind of having a very specific narrative to management teams who often don't have the headspace to, to, to understand and they just go, well, get on with it, or, or I see a team not performing. And actually what you're doing is you're demonstrating as to why, well, we can't, we can't do this thing, we can't deliver this feature because it requires... Uh, the unlocking and the unblocking of this this particular dependency. So think about how you include that in your weekly reports, I think is a really important thing to do too. And then talking about people. So I've been in a couple of situations recently where, you know, uh, as I said earlier, you know, I've been asked, you know, how do you practically do this though, Mario? Because there's a lot of words there and you've talked a lot, but kind of like what are the practical things you do? And hopefully I've talked of a few of those but going back to what i've just said about creating a narrative in your weekly reports go to a it's a tool that i've used infrequently but i'm starting to use more so if you go to the liberators um improve your team.com so that's the liberators improve your team.com there's this um scrum survey and it's really really good and what it does is it basically allows you to visualize the effectiveness of your scrum teams and it gives a visual, and again, note the, the, the emphasis on visual, it gives you a visual uh, piece of uh, collateral, a visual asset to include in your reports that demonstrates impact of, you know, dependencies and how that constrains the team. And basically, you should bake into, and I'm going to start doing this, is bake the survey into kind of weekly process and get the teams to kind of uh, fill out this survey to allow us in retrospectives to visually understand before we get into the retrospective kind of how we're doing it includes things such as kind of where do we feel we are on continuous improvement and where do we feel we are on stakeholder concern and where do we think we are on responsiveness it does it quite well and even though there's manual ways of doing this and maybe you do like happiness indexes and all that kind of stuff i just found this quite frictionless to do and importantly free so big shout out to the liberators improve your team com because uh, that's a great tool and I, I'm, I think they do like a, a paid version too that I'm considering investing in. We also talked about contextual understanding and really understanding the problem and having a broad uh, sort of slice through the team of experts rather than two or three individuals. Um, one of the things I do to help that understanding is getting people out within the context of what's being asked to be done. So let me just make that clearer. If you're building something in an ivory tower through a management team's eye and lens and that thing being built impacts people on the ground, on the road, in the air, get those people in that metaphorical management ivory tower in the trenches, on the road or in the air and make them experience the as-is state. And I found that massively, massively impactful in terms of getting an understanding of constraints and getting an understanding of dependencies. So often you get these decisions being made wholesale at management level with no real practical understanding of the, the industry, the, the, the thing, the users. So always think as a delivery manager, how can I bring the decision makers into the audience that are impacted by those decisions? And a few practical examples, you know, I work for a... Um, uh, an automotive client, obviously being careful to desensitise what I say, and a thing was being built that would impact road users, and 
the decision makers and shaping the thing that would impact road users hadn't been on the road or used the particular thing or the previous iteration of it for 20, 30 years. So we got those folk out into the field who immediately had a different perspective and a different kind of understanding of some of the problems and why a new thing was being recommended to be built. And it actually completely changed the project and it unlocked so many baked independencies from the off that allowed for a much better start. And that better start meant that the project went much, much better. And we didn't get into the usual kind of, you know, you six sprints in and your project's on fire and everyone's unhappy, which is just common for so many projects. So a lot of this stuff sounds aspirational and maybe you're a delivery manager working in environments where you don't have that control. And I get that. But if you do, try and think about some of these things because I think they really increase the mean likelihood of your project success. So just to wrap up some practical tools that I mentioned, so monday.com, I, I do like the tool and I thoroughly recommend you use it. I think it's a more visual, fun version of like Microsoft Project. Mural, Miro, Jira, we've talked about Jira, but honestly, it's fine. And there's nothing wrong with Microsoft Project 2. Microsoft Project was the go-to tool for some time when it came to dependency mapping. And it does do a good job of mapping dependencies and allowing you to see the impact of, if you change one thing, how it impacts another. But it's very difficult to kind of visually consume. And obviously, it's Microsoft Project, right? And we're meant to be agile. So I don't think there's there's anything wrong with kind of baking dependency planning and visualization into your kind of tooling. And I think Jira does it okay. I think Microsoft Project does it okay. And again, we talked about that early access dependency view feature. I've put a link on the blog post. So it's really worth checking out at least the screenshot, but check your Jira Atlassian subscription model to see if you can switch that on. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with using any of the tools that I've mentioned or any others, but importantly, do it visually. And then let's just wrap up um, with kind of a, a few kind of takeaways on how to map uh, sort of dependencies. And hopefully this has been a useful uh, sort of podcast and I've enjoyed talking about some of this stuff. Um, so we talked about user tool to manage dependencies visually. There's huge amounts that we've talked about on the market, available, free, something you have to pay for. Find one, pick one, get visual. Um, create a dependency management plan. Um, that's the document or a document in any way you want to create it that outlines how you'll manage dependencies, not only discovering them, but how you manage them. Um, this plan includes things like uh, how you identify dependencies, how you prioritise them, how you sequence tasks and how you communicate with stakeholders. And that goes into that kind of end of week report where you show the impact of dependencies. Review that plan regularly with the team and bake it into the Agile process. So as your project kind of progresses, you'll need to make sure that you regularly look at dependencies and make sure that uh, the plan and the, the way you're doing it is still effective. You might need to make some tweaks or adjustments um, as new dependencies are identified. But generally speaking, you need a dependency plan and it's something that's often missed. And we talked about being prepared for the unexpected too. So even with the best planning, there's always going to be stuff that, that kind of doesn't doesn't get accounted for and can't be accounted for. So have a plan in place on how you'll deal with that. Sometimes it can be practical things like baking in time within your sprints. Other times it can just be allowing for a proportion of your project to have some free time. Maybe if you're using Nexus, you have a scrumble, that kind of stop event. But think about how you deal with the, the kind of the unknown. 
But it is a challenge, and managing dependencies is a challenge, but it's an essential part of kind of running a project and running an Agile project. And hopefully some of the tips above will spark something in you to think, oh, yeah, actually, I might check that out. All the links, everything I've talked about, and all the screenshots to support the things that I've talked about are on mariosblog.co.uk, and the blog post is called Dependency Mapping is a Complex Thing. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, hopefully I'll get another podcast out soon. It's not daily. It tends to be as I want to talk about something. But hopefully this has been enjoyable. Uh, and I'll talk to you very soon. I just want to take this opportunity to let you know that I do have a small web and app company that I run on the side to my day-to-day job. I build websites, small applications, and you can get in touch with me if you want a website built, maybe you want to start a new business or a side hustle, or you need to talk to someone for some advice and not sure where to go. Get in touch with me at creativepixel.me.uk, quote the podcast, DM daily, you'll get a 10% discount on any work that you uh, have done with me. So check it out.